Aristotle once said, in every act of doing, we are becoming. Every day, all of us make choices that shape and form us into the people that we are and the people that we are becoming. I'm your producer, Michael Moffat, and I want to welcome you to the Arete Way, a podcast dedicated to helping you become excellent in all that you do. Our hosts today are Walter and Stacy Nussbaum. Stacy, round two, man. We had so much fun talking about relationships last time, and we're going to do a little round two here. I thought there was so much more to talk about. Yes, absolutely. It was a lot of fun. It was fun, yeah. Now, just to remind the people who are listening, last time we talked about this idea of maturity, Mm -hmm. and we said the maturity was the degree to which a person tolerates and manages discomfort, Discomfort. right? Yeah. Uh, This week, I got challenged by that. I totally, (laughs) totally got confronted by my immaturity with us this week, and I had to tell you that, gosh, I just found my immaturity in this argument here. And, uh, and it was helpful for us to have just talked about that because it made me very aware of it. Well, remember what you said. We are a mirror of each other. So I think we both kind of struggled with this this week. That of is course. True. That is true. It's always that true. way, isn't yeah. it? So. Well, so we talked about this really interesting concept last time. Just by quick review, we talked about these ideas called dialectical tensions. Mm-hmm. We talked about how everybody has these opposites. And no matter what relationship you're in, you bring these opposites mm-hmm. to the equation. So do you remember one of them that we talked about? Uh, the introvert versus the extrovert That's is one it. example. That's one of the mm-hmm. most powerful ones, right? Mm-hmm. So you got these two people that come together. One is an extrovert, one is an introvert. And those two polarities, right, Those that dialectic between the two, which is a, a, it's a mutual and opposing force mm-hmm. that finds its meaning in itself, um, that early on is complementary, but later will produce a tension. Right. And we listed a bunch of those. So anybody yeah. can go back and listen to that other episode that we did. And it's great for introspection, for couples to stop and go, what are, what are our dialectical mm-hmm. tensions? Mm-hmm. So what we want to do today now is, you know, rather than talk about the purpose of relationship, which we said last time was maturity and growing today, you and I have a model. It's called the Connect model. And we want to talk about this. It's actually seven things that people can do to build a dynamic, a healthy, and an intimate relationship. And this is something you and I believe very strongly in, not because we do it perfectly, Mm -hmm. right? But because we have uh, experienced it, we've seen it fail, we've seen it succeed, we've worked with tons of people, we've read tons of literature, and these seven things are critical. So I just thought, what a great thing for you and me just to spend some time to talk about these things and help people think through their relationship in terms of these seven behaviors, right? Mm -hmm. How's that sound today? Sounds good, let's get started. Yeah, so what's the first one here? We got the first one, it's it's called what? So the first one is communicate deeply and just the idea of getting past level one and two communication. How was your day? How was your day? What did you do? What did you do? You know, really taking the time to ask the questions. Um, How are you doing? How's your heart? You know, what are you struggling with? We know things like that that really probe the other person to to dig down a little bit. And it requires patience because you have to be willing to listen and, you know, um, sincerely offer yourself. Yeah. Uh, We added the word deeply because it's one thing to just communicate. You can do like you just said. You just mentioned this idea called level Mm -hmm. one communication. Mm -hmm just so people understand what that is, that's just information exchange. Mm -hmm. 
That's when I come home or you come home or we see each other at the end of the day and we say, hey, how was your day? Right. And so we begin to share facts. Oh, I talked to so and so. This happened at work. It's just that kind of level one, which has importance, right? Sure, sure. Yeah, it's how you get to know what's going on with somebody. Yeah. It's basic information. Um, level two is going to be that part where now I'm telling you a little bit about, I'm, I'm listening to how you're feeling. Level three is when I begin to disclose how I'm feeling, mm-hmm. right? And so these are important kind of deeper levels of communication. And we have to work at it, don't we? Because it's not yeah. natural to want to go into two and three. Yeah. And I think it doesn't mean that you always have to go to level three, right? We have days that we stay in level one and two and we have fun and it's light and you're busy and, you know, life is, has all its moving parts. But I think that you have to make an effort to go to level three, at least on some kind of regular basis, yeah. or, you know, the, you can develop a real intimacy with that person. And, you know, I think it does um, kind of ebb and flow in a relationship. It's probably really easy early on when you're in kind of that honeymoon phase and it becomes more of a challenge. You know, yeah. when you're tired, or you have young children and, and, you know, it takes a real effort to make that time to, to go to that level. But, um, I think it's really the only pathway to true intimacy, emotional intimacy. Yeah. No doubt about it. I mean, you know, it's easy. I don't want to overgeneralize, but there is the stereotype out there that women tend to be better at going to two and three than men. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it probably is true, obviously, uh, as a guy and knowing a lot of guys, I know that going to level two and three sometimes can be uh, very tiring. It's a lot of work. You don't know how long you're going to be in two and three once mm-hmm. you start it. And so it's easy for guys to avoid that. And so they end up having a relatively, um, I don't mean this in a necessarily a bad way, but it tends to be a relatively shallow relationship because they're never really disclosing what's really going on. And you've told me many times. One of the great desires of most women is they want to know what's going on inside the hearts of the men that they're with. Mm-hmm. Isn't that true? Oh, yeah. I think that's absolutely true. And I think you're probably right. But, I, you know, for the sake of not stereotyping, I think that some of it depends on personality type because you and I know females that, that don't really go to level three very easily yeah. just as a general rule, right? So right. It, it's not always the case. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it is kind of dependent on um, personality, comfort zones, that sort of thing. Yeah, no doubt about it. Mm -hmm. I think it's important. We call this one of the big seven. And I think research shows it that relationships that invest deeply in how they communicate, openness, Mm -hmm. honesty, Mm -hmm. transparency, vulnerability, all those words that you've helped me to understand Mm -hmm. in our relationship, those things do nothing but deepen the relationship because Mm -hmm. you know the person better. Mm -hmm. Right. And so when you know them better, it allows you to love them better because now you know what's going on and how they're doing and what can you do to provide some support. Mm-hmm. You know, when you share with me pretty openly sometimes about how you're doing, it allows me to know, is this the time for me to be funny Walter? You know, mm-hmm. is this the time for me to be, <laughs> hey, do you want to you know, do something that really doesn't align with how you're feeling? Right. But when I know what's going on, it allows me now to make better decisions. And a lot of times you'll have couples get into arguments or conflicts and, and the other person has no idea why. Yeah, they're kind of blindsided by it, yeah, because they don't really have a real context, right? Yeah. So we know that this is an area of struggle in relationships. We've struggled with this. Many couples struggle with kind of going to that level of communication on a regular basis. What, do you, what would you say the, the barrier to that is? What makes that so difficult? Yeah, I think it's because the ability to, to go inside yourself and then and to and to reveal to somebody else how you're doing 
one, it requires you to have a really uh, high level of self-awareness mm. to identify your own feelings and then to be able to put your feelings in words. And look, I mean, I'll be honest. One of the great gifts that you have given me in our relationship is taking seriously the idea of feelings and feeling words. <laughs> we always come back to this. <laughs> we do. But it's true. And uh, I, I was never, I, I've always uh, been such a happy go lucky, fun, optimistic guy that I've always avoided kind of the negative feelings. Mm-hmm. And you've helped me to appreciate the ability to at least identify it and try mm-hmm. to talk about it. And I've got a long way to go, mm-hmm. but I've gotten better. And because of that, it's helped you and me because you've gotten glimpses of me, haven't you? Mm-hmm. And, and it's, and mm-hmm. it's important because then you know mm-hmm. how to really, how to love me better mm-hmm. during those times. Mm-hmm. So we don't want to spend too much time on this. We just want people to be challenged uh, and be aware of the fact that learning to connect or communicate deeply is a very important part of a, a long-term intimate relationship. I think it's, it's important too, to recognize that, you know, for certain people, that's much harder to be self-disclosing and to be um, vulnerable. And so I think the um, the kind of art of question asking mm-hmm. is an important element of that. You've got to become a good question asker for your person to to feel like it's a place that they can self-disclose at yeah. times. Yeah, I think that's great. Yeah, being able to draw it out without being too pushing too hard, mm-hmm. but having the ability to draw it out of somebody by asking the right kinds of questions. Uh, no doubt, that's a terrific skill. And there's lots of resources out there for people who really know that, man, I got to get better at that. Mm-hmm. I need to be better at knowing how to probe the heart of my spouse, the heart of the person that I'm in a relationship with. So, but the point still stands communicating deeply is a part of a healthy, rich relationship. And so mm-hmm. that's number one, right? That's the C. Now, the O we get to stands for observing. You have to observe how the other person feels loved. Mm -hmm. Okay. Talk about that for a second. (laughs) What do we mean by that? Observe how the other person feels loved. You know, um, this one sounds so simple. And I think that, oh, it's just so hard to do sometimes, even though you know it, you know, because I know the things that you love. I know that you love encouragement. You love um, to be lifted up. Anytime I tell you anything positive about you as a person, you just light up. And yet, you know, the very thing that I have knowledge of, I don't really exercise and I don't wield it properly. But, you know, someone once said, I can't remember, but I was listening to someone recently and they said, you know, the, there's so much value in truly taking the time to study your partner and really, really study them and learn them and know them and, and know how to essentially wield your power with them. And, and that's so true. And yet I think just because we're lazy and we're selfish, you know, we just don't do that, but it works, mm-hmm. you know, it, it works. Work. You know, there was a book written a number of years ago that you know, we read it. A lot of people read it. What's funny is here are people who've been married, you know, seven, 10, 15, 20 years or more who read this book. And it's like the blinders come off of them and they say, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. And mm-hmm. it was exactly about this principle. Mm-hmm. And it was the five love languages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. And, and in that book, uh, Dr. Chapman talks about these kind of five ways that people feel loved. And I think if I remember correctly, uh, he tells the story, I think he tells the story about a couple that comes into his office and both of them are just talking about how they don't feel loved by yeah. the other person. And each person begins to describe what they do to show that they love them. Yeah. But that wasn't it. And They're missing the mark. What's that? They're kind of missing the mark. They're missing yeah. the mark. Yeah. yeah. For some people, yeah, yeah, we don't have to go through all five of those, yeah. but it's a wonderful resource. Yeah, to go it really read. is. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but the idea is, you are exactly right. This idea of studying your partner mm-hmm. and understanding what is their love language, uh, and maybe even beyond that, what are the things that really strengthen their heart? Mm-hmm. And, and then begin uh, getting yourself to a place where you can begin doing that on a consistent basis. The challenge mm-hmm. is this. Remember the dialectics? Mm-hmm. The challenge is you've probably ended up with somebody that you don't do what they need naturally. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. What is, what's oftentimes the thing that we do? What is it that we do where we, we, we make kind of an error in this, in this model of the five love languages? Oftentimes people, rather than loving that person the way they need, the way to, be they need to be loved, you, you love, love them the way, the way that we, we want to be loved. loved. And we kind of assume or presume that, that that's how they want to be loved because it's comfortable to that's us. Right. That's right. Yeah. It's like the person who the way they feel loved is by somebody helping them all the time. Someone doing deeds and doing mm-hmm. chores and helping around. And so that's what they end up doing around the house. And so they think that they're loving their spouse because look at everything yeah. they're doing around the house. Meanwhile, yeah. this person feels loved when you sit down with them and have a quality conversation and hold their hand. Yeah. And right. And so they feel like, uh, yeah, you know, thanks, why are we... but thanks. But yeah, <laughs> exactly. that's not really what I wanted. Just bring me some flowers. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. observing the way a person needs to be loved, I think is key. And it goes beyond just the five love languages. It really yeah. becomes a lifetime study of learning the person that you're with, all the shades, yeah. all the seasons, because as the years go on, right? We know this, as the seasons go on, yeah. we evolve as people, we change, we mature, we have wounds, we have mm-hmm. losses, we have all kinds of things. You know, we've talked recently, obviously, about you going through the holidays, right? Through a loss that you've experienced and the challenges, the way you need to be loved through this period of time mm. is, is going to be different than how you will need to be loved maybe in February or March, right? It'll be kind of a different season. I mean, right now, there's a heightened sense of loss that you feel that kind of comes in and out throughout your days, right? Mm -hmm. And so the way I Mm -hmm. try to be gentle or listen or patient is is very loving to you. And it's also very painful to you, more painful when I'm not that right now either. Yeah. Because because it's difficult. Is that fair? Would you say that's yeah, a fair? Yeah, no, way that's to... true. I've asked a lot of you the last few months. <laughs> <laughs> and also, okay. I think too, when you think about, you see these couples that have been married and they've lasted the years, you know, and they've been married fifty years or more. Just they have this real understanding of one another, you know, and it's it's like a different season where where they really have learned one another so well that. Some of the things that used to bother them just don't bother them anymore because they really learned how to love that person, I think, well. Yeah. And, you know, it's really a beautiful thing to watch. Your parents had that, you know, they weren't perfect. They didn't have a perfect marriage, but, you know, they learned from each other over the years. And no doubt about it. Yeah. And hopefully, if they're maturing, the need for some of those things isn't quite as acute either. And Mm -hmm. so it takes the burden off of the other person a little bit with time. Mm-hmm. Right. But yeah. regardless, really observing how the person needs to be loved is important. So we got you got to communicate deeply. You got to take the time to study and observe this person and how they need to be loved, desire to be loved. Right. Mm-hmm. So now we get to the end. Right. What's the next one? This here? is a great one. So new and unexpected things, which you have done a marvelous job at okay. in our marriage. And so tell me more. What does that mean? <laughs> 
surprising the other person with something new, um, um, doing the, the little things that are unexpected, you know, little notes, yeah, you know, hidden among the house, which you just did for me recently, which you had never done. And it was a total surprise. Little things like that, that your spouse would not expect you to do and that, um, you know, take them by surprise. Yeah. You know, one of the, you, we always laugh. One of the things I've always enjoyed doing is, uh, if I'm traveling and I find like, uh, a, a top or a, a, <laughs> a blouse or something, how many times have uh, I brought something home yeah. just thinking, I think you're going to like this. It's and, crazy. You can buy a dress for me better any day than I can buy a dress for myself. It's, it's crazy. It really is. Well, yeah. I just enjoy doing that because I love the surprise and yeah. I come home, Hey, I got a surprise for you. Uh, and we do the same thing for each other, right? Whether or not you take the time to make me something like you made cookies the other night, which we're trying not to eat cookies, but, but you, you surprised were so me. happy. <laughs> I was so happy when, I, when you made that bad. And then mad. <laughs> so here's the deal though. The reason we say this is because human beings are wired to fall into routines. We are wired that way because it's the way we preserve energy. It's getting into a routine. The problem in a relationship is a routine Mm. will deaden the energy of a relationship Mm -hmm. so that it gets very predictable and very Mm -hmm. bland and very, in a sense, boring, Mm -hmm. stale. Mm -hmm. And so the ability to do new and unexpected things on Mm -hmm. a regular basis Mm -hmm. is really important. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't cost a lot of money, Mm -hmm. right, at all. It can be everything from, hey, Let's go take dance lessons, right? Yeah. Free dance lessons on Friday nights, country yeah. dance lessons. And we've done that. Yeah. Or right? hey, let's go play tennis for the moment, which right. you love to do. We love yeah. to do that. Yeah. Just out of nowhere. You, you've said to me, because you know I love to do it. Hey, what do you think about going to play tennis? Yeah. And I'll say, yeah. yeah. Or I'll say, hey, let's go play golf. And we'll go hit, play golf. You'll join me to go play golf. So these are important things to be able to do yeah. to surprise somebody to do the unexpected. And this takes work yeah. because the longer you're with somebody... Um, the easier it is to fall into these routine patterns. Yeah. Right? yeah, sometimes you don't want to do those things. It just requires a lot of effort. But I think that the deposit, the little deposits that it makes um, are incredibly valuable. Yeah, absolutely. For the relationship. There's yeah. a book I mentioned in a prior podcast called The Molecule of More. Mm. And it's about the, the history of dopamine and kind of what dopamine does. And one of the things I learned from this book was I've always understood dopamine simply to be the pleasure molecule. But what this book shows is that actually dopamine is released at its highest levels when it's something mm-hmm. pleasurable but unexpected. Mm-hmm. That's why when two people meet and they have a connection, dopamine levels are at their highest so level. Because mm-hmm. everything is new. Everything yeah. is fresh. Yeah. Everything is fusion. unexpected. <laughs> it's total fusion. Yeah. And what happens is that spike that feels so amazing within a period of time begins to settle down unless individuals take the time to continue to do new things, to not always go to the same restaurant, mm-hmm. right? Surprise and go to surprise them and go to a, a restaurant you've never been to, mm-hmm. right? So the new things is really important to keep kind of some spice uh, and, and, and energy in the relationship. Yeah, it's funny. It makes me think of this quote that you just said the other night to our son, Josh, and you said, um, in, ev- the, in every act of doing, we are becoming. Mm-hmm. You know, you can really apply that to marriage as well. It's like in every act that you do, you know, it's like you're you're fortifying something that, you know, we'll see the fruit of later. 
I love that. That's yeah. a great connection. Yeah. In other words, if all you're ever doing is the same things all the time, what yeah. you're becoming is the kind of couple that gets pretty stale and bland yeah. and does the same things. Yeah. But the new things makes you kind of this, um, mm-hmm. uh, kind of a, things are fresh, mm-hmm. right? It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a relationship that's fresh. It's not getting stale a- at all. Well, let's go to the next one now. The next one here, and this one's really a tough one sometimes because in the heat of the mm-hmm. moment, it can be pretty challenging. Uh, never tear them down personally. Right? It's one thing to talk about what you feel. It's another thing to talk about facts. Mm-hmm. So, but it's another thing to get to the personal level, right? Mm-hmm. Talk about that for a moment mm-hmm. about why that can be so destructive. Mm-hmm. You know, I think this is this one is so destructive because when you talk about the other person, whether it be their character, who they are, um, in a negative way, I think that. Um, that kind of chips away at a person if you're not careful, you mm-hmm. know, and it can cause damage for a long time. That's hard to reverse if not irreversible. So I think that we have to be really careful. And, you know, we both have said things to one another that we never should have said and ha- have had to apologize and work through those things. And certainly we're not immune to that, but um, I think that that's something that we have to be really cautious with, um, with each other in our in our own private arguments, but also with other people. And I think that you and I both have observed couples that routinely, um, unfortunately, tear each other down, and it's it, it feels really uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, um, and it doesn't even have to be major things. It can just yeah. be little slight things, yeah. and oh, he can't do that, or you know, oh my gosh, you know, she'll. And you just see this kind of sarcasm yeah. kind of added, yeah. uh, especially what publicly, right? You get around. I mean, we've we've been to dinner with friends and stuff where you'll hear a couple kind of poke at each other right. and say things at each other. And honestly, I don't. That's something you and I don't do. You've never done that to me. You've no, in never, fact, I think it reinforces that we don't want to do that because when you see it like that, you realize just oh god, it hurts. You hurt. You hurt for them. Yeah. And then you think, oh, I hope I don't ever do that. Right. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, John Gottman, we read some of his stuff, you know, over mm-hmm. the years, and Gottman has the famous five to one ratio he talks about. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's it's this That's, idea. Do you remember what he talks about? Yeah, you have to have five positives for every negative. Yeah. Right. Because right. one negative can really tip the scales as That's far right. as the damage that is done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's really, you know, he, in his research, he predicts divorce rates mm-hmm. with a 90% accuracy. Mm-hmm. He says, he tells them that stonewalling, mm-hmm. criticism, mm-hmm. tearing people down, contempt, on a contempt yeah. those are the things that yeah. are just as damaging as actually yeah. having an affair. Yeah. Because you you said it earlier, you're chipping away yeah. at, at the, at the, at the, uh, the essence of what makes a relationship intimate. Right. And it's a slow erosion and chipping away at this. So over time, now all of a sudden, the desire for each other goes away. Yeah. Because they've just eroded it through criticism. Yeah. So we feel very strongly about this side about never tearing down personally uh, mm-hmm. each other. And when we do, if it ever gets to that point, we really try hard to circle back around. Yeah, own it. Just own it. And, and yeah. just say, you know what? You're right. I apologize. Please forgive me. I'll, mm-hmm. you know, I'll be sure to really not do that again or say that mm-hmm. again. And, and we try very hard at doing that, right? Mm-hmm. So we're all a work in progress here. The idea is just to be aware of it. I think, too, while we're talking about this, just because I thought about this last time when, when we finished the podcast, I thought, oh, that was a, something we should have talked about. 
Um, just this idea of obviously we're going to hurt one another. We have, we will, right? Mm-hmm. Hopefully not to that degree, but just the difference between, um, and we've done both, the difference between saying I'm sorry versus saying I'm sorry, will you forgive me? Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's real easy to just throw off an I'm sorry. You yeah. know, we do that. And sometimes it's because we're still mad or we're still stubborn. But I think, would you agree there's real value in saying I'm sorry, will you forgive me for what I said? Or will you forgive me for hurting you? Yeah, huge. You know, I think it's a it's a big difference. Yeah. I've done, in fact, when I do uh, corporate training, I've talked to many, many uh, people in trainings, and I'll say to them, when's the last time somebody has said to you in the workplace, would you forgive me? Mm. You know, it's, it's something that is so rare yeah. that people just, it requires such a humility, yeah. such a self-honesty and a, and a self-ownership that you don't hear that very often. And, uh, and I can honestly say you, you and I really strive to do that mm-hmm. uh, because we are a work in progress and we, mm-hmm. have, we do hurt each other along the way. Mm-hmm. We do seek to say, would you forgive me? You know, mm-hmm. that, that was wrong of me. I shouldn't have said that, mm-hmm. right? And so, You're better than I am. No, not at all. <laughs> you are. No, no, we're, we are both, uh, both growing in that. Now let's look at this next one here, right? Here's the next one that I think is really important. It's expressing love both sexually and non-sexually mm-hmm. and being able to identify um, when one is appropriate versus the other. <laughs> right. that's, a, that's a nice way of putting it. Right. There is something important about non-sexual touch in a relationship. Right. So honestly, think about it for a woman. What is why is that so important to her to to be able to feel non-sexual touch? Why is that important to her as a woman? That's not always sexual in nature. Oh, I think we as women and mothers um, and wives feel you know, a constant pulling, tugging, you know, in one direction or the other to provide something. And so I think it's important for women to feel like it's not always connected to sex. You know, sometimes it really is just the rub on the shoulders as you're washing dishes with no strings attached. Um, Because if it isn't that, then I think what happens sometimes, not always, is... um, Resentment might be too strong of a word, but just um, just feeling like you're being taken. From kind it. of just a frozen state of yeah, right, not knowing and questioning it and questioning right. the motive, and so therefore the wall kind of goes up. And so I think it it unfortunately inhibits and prohibits intimacy rather than lends itself towards intimacy because right, you don't trust it. So yeah. I think it's important and and just developing trust, knowing that. You know, sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't. Right. Yeah. No, no doubt about it. And it goes it goes, it goes both, both ways. ways. Right. Yeah, we know right. couples that it, it's flipped around. Yeah. Yeah. Where the you know, the woman has the higher need for touch and affection and sexual sexual touch too. Mm-hmm. And um it goes both ways where the man has to to recognize that, you know, she's got needs on a sexual level that he's got to meet for her at a higher level, but at the same time that it can't always be just uh uh a cry for, se- for, for, for sexual intimacy from her, yeah. right? Yeah. No, I mean, obviously it's much greater the other way around, uh, probably, but I think it's important to be able to delineate between the two. You know, when yeah. is a shoulder rub simply enough? Yeah. Right? Or, you know, we, we'll drive in the car and uh, <laughs> I just have to have you t- take my hand, rub my hand, rub yeah. my shoulder. Right? To me, yeah. 
that is one of the greatest expressions of love to me. It's just kind of a non-sexual touch from you. And it just makes me feel very close to you when you do that. I think this is a real complex issue. You know, I think that in marriage, I think it requires a real honesty and vulnerability so that you don't have misinterpretation all the time. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't think that you can really do this thing well, unless you openly communicate about it. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's just too much room for misinterpretation. Otherwise you said to me early on, you said, you know, I need you to communicate what you need verbally. I need you to let Mm -hmm. me know what your expectations are. What do you need? Mm -hmm. I can't read your mind. I don't need, I don't want to have to try to predict what it is that you need. And I've worked at that. I've worked Mm -hmm. at just being honest Mm -hmm. sometimes that when it comes time to intimacy and I'll say, Hey, do you think, you know, today we could be together at some point? Yeah. Right. And you're very, you're like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, And and that way, you know, what's going on with me. And and so therefore there's no misunderstanding each other. And then obviously, you know, I know how important it is for us just to be able to have lots of just sitting on the couch and just, you know, rubbing feet or rubbing hands or just sitting there next to each other or whatever. Um, All of that is important because touch we know is what releases those chemicals of bonding and loyalty and deep love, right? Oh, absolutely. I think it's critical for a marriage to stay close, for that to be an important aspect of it, both sexual and non-sexual. But I think it requires a lot of vulnerability and it involves risk because you both have to take risk to say, you know, how you really feel about it. And I think that we avoid that. And so that's where we get into trouble. We talked about the dialectic last time, the dialectic of autonomy versus attachment. Mm-hmm. And the person in the relationship who has a greater need for autonomy when it comes to physical touch, this is the person who's got to take notes right now. They've mm-hmm. got to realize that touch is something that they've got to invest in because touch, a touchless marriage mm-hmm. will, will pay a price over time. Mm-hmm. And you've got, and we're not saying sexual, but you've got to be able to be comfortable just with touch to show connection between two people, Right. And the person who's more on the side of attachment, they've got to realize that it can't always be just intimacy. It's got to be friendship touch. And sometimes you got to learn to be okay, autonomy, Mm -hmm. with not having it all the time, Mm -hmm. right? And so this is where communication comes in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And it's more of the push-pull, just like in any other area of marriage, right? This one just seems to be harder because it involves, it feels more risky, I think. Yeah. Because it's like the heart, the core of who we are. That's right. Yeah. You know, the next one is a fun one, right? What is the next one here? Common interests. Yeah. 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 Talk about that. This is something that you and I have taken very seriously in our marriage. Yeah. This one has come relatively easy for for us, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, Although I think we've both grown and been stretched um, as well. Um, You've really kind of flexed in this area with me and have taken up several hobbies that I love just so that we could do things together, Mm. like running. You didn't used to to enjoy running now you Never now you running. love to yeah. run and we run together and we you know run when we're on vacation and that sort of thing um but essentially you did that because you knew that it was important to me even though you kind of hated it and now you enjoy it right yeah, absolutely yeah same I is do. true for cycling you yeah. didn't really have an interest there and you've kind of taken that up so that that's something that we can enjoy together yeah the the, the principle is uh taking stock of what are your common interests and if there's not a lot we highly recommend figure it out. Yeah. You got to create some common interest to do some things. I can remember, you know, I've told the story before you and I were going to, I believe it was Fort Lauderdale 
and I was going to be speaking out there and you went with me and we always like to stay an extra couple of days at fun places. And so you said to me the next day, Hey, do you want to go for a run? And I had already made a decision in my mind before that trip. And I said to myself, any, I know she's going to ask me to run. And anytime she asks me, I'm going to say without any hesitation, <laughs> yes. And what did I say when you said yes right away? <laughs> well, really? <laughs> I was shocked because I was waiting for you to say no. Because I always say, no, I'm just going to go to the gym and yeah. lift weights. And this yeah. time I said, yeah, let's go for a run. Yeah. And I think we, we ran five. You made me run five miles. <laughs> I didn't day. make you do anything, yeah. but yeah. But you were trying to impress me, I think. That was the beginning of me yeah. beginning to take an interest in the things that you took an interest in. Because I thought, if you love it, there must be something lovable about it. Right? And it just took me That's some time. That's a sweet way to put it. Well, it's true. It's true. And so we've done that. You, know, you, read, you read now because, you know, I love to read. And I so want to read more. You read more. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> But, I love but you're right. You have kind of spurred me on to be more of a reader because you love to sit at the kitchen table and read. And so I decided, you know, this is a great, wonderful thing to stretch my mind and learn and grow. And so I've uh, really tried to, to um, do more of that in my life. Yeah. And yeah. another thing that I've taken up that I never used to enjoy is is watching politics with you, even though it's still not my favorite thing to do. Yeah. I think that it's an area that I've grown and been stretched in because of you and your interests. So that is something that we can talk about and I can intelligently talk with you about what's going on. You know, before you, I really didn't pay much attention to it. One of the best things you say to me on any given week is, hey, do you want to watch the news for a little bit? And it shocks me when you say (laughs) that. Have I said that? Yeah, you'll say that. Do you want to watch the news for a little bit? And uh, I'm like, really? Yeah, let's watch the news. So what are we saying? We're saying basically to people, listen, whether it's country dancing, whether it's running, whether it's working out, whether it's taking up a hobby, learning an instrument, whatever those things are, going for a walk together, um, just doing these things together is important. And the more of these chords you have, the stronger the bond of friendship will be. And going back to Gottman again, Gottman has this really great metaphor he uses about a house. And he mm-hmm. talks about how the foundation of any marriage is like a house. And that foundation, mm-hmm. you could write the word friendship on that foundation because that's what you have to have. Yeah. Your foundation yeah. has got to be a foundation of, you know what? I just like so true. to spend time with this person So true. because they're my best friend. They're the person I just enjoy. Mm-hmm. If I could pick one person to go on a road trip with, it would be the person that I'm with. Yeah. Right. Well, and it goes back to that whole idea that we talked about in um, point number three, the N and connect new and unexpected things. So I think it's, you know, it's not always something that you necessarily want to do, but I think it's doing that thing to surprise your, your partner that they wouldn't expect you to do just because um, of your love for them. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That should be the primary driver. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's look at the last one here. So the last one is the letter T, and it is trust. Probably the best one, right? Yeah. We could talk about this one for a long time. And and so... How do we define trust? So our favorite definition of trust that we've um, taught in some of our classes together is trust is defined as the degree to which you believe that someone is for you. Right. And I think that is such an amazing quote in any relationship, really. But especially in marriage, because I think in marriage in particular, um, you can easily begin to um, lose sight of that because of your own irritation, because you begin to um, feel critical of, of your per- of your person, right? Yeah. yeah. That um, 
they don't feel like you're really for them. Right. Yeah. So their best friend might be for them, but you're not really for them. Right. And so we create those conditions for the, our spouses to think that right. by the way that we respond to their desires and their dreams and, and we shoot them down sometimes and we make them feel like we're not really for them. Yeah, that's right. I think the, th- the, the idea that I know for a fact I could come to you and I could say, basically, I think I want to do this. And if you thought there was some seriousness <laughs> to it, I don't have any doubt that you would support it. If I said, you yeah. know, I think I want to go do my PhD. You'd say, that's sure. awesome. You sure. should do that. You would do great at your PhD. If I said, hey, I think I want to go do this. And if you thought I was serious, you would give me your full support, right? And Mo- the same mostly, way with you. Yeah. Well, you're better at that than me. I, I can tend to be like, mm, I don't think so, honey. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not because you don't believe I couldn't do it. It's no, that's true. That's be, true. Right. You're more of a yeah. pragmatist. Okay, let's talk about how that's going to fit in our schedule and, yeah. you know, whatever. But we do try to make sure that we know the other person believes that I support you in whatever you want to do. You yeah. know, when you went to back to grad school yeah. and for a while you, you went about half the program and it was great. You were rocking it. And then yeah. you're like, you know, I don't think this is really in alignment with what yeah. you know, we want together. And so I was like, great. Yeah. Right? No issues. Yeah. Right. But you did it. You got in. Right. You you did awesome in it. You got out of it. You went back to nursing. You Right. Whatever you want to do. Well, you've always been really good at supporting whatever I want to do, which is, you know, a a wonderful gift. It truly is. Yeah. Well, this is the part where I think people have to really try to be very proactive in being their partner's uh, biggest cheerleader. Yeah. Right? You've got to cheer them on. You've got to make them feel like there's nothing they can't do and that you will will be cheering them all the way to the finish line. And this is really important because this is when you realize that your partner is for you. Right? But it's also broader than that, isn't it? This mm-hmm. idea of trust. It also mm-hmm. means that I'm not going to do anything that's going to chip away at mm-hmm. you questioning mm-hmm. my commitment mm-hmm. and fidelity to the relationship. Mm-hmm. And respect. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And if, if yeah. that does happen, that person has to be able to come back with humility and honesty and say, yeah. whatever I got to do to rebuild what just got chipped away, yeah. I'm willing to do it. Yeah. Right. That's how you build trust is the person. There's an old, uh, a person that was an old mentor of, of ours many, many years ago who used to say, people don't mm-hmm. expect you to be perfect, but they do expect you to be perfectable. Mm-hmm. Right. That we all have to be willing to do the work for lasting love. That's what builds trust is that I know that, yeah, you're going to fail and I'm going to fail, but we're going to fail together moving in the same direction. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's the idea of being each other's cheerleaders and support mm-hmm. And helping each other through this, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. This is the model, right? It's connect. That's what it is. And so again, it's communicate deeply, mm-hmm. right? You've got to be open and vulnerable and transparent and honest. Uh, you got to be able to observe how the other feels loved. Mm-hmm. Take the time, and I love the word you used. Study their. You got to study your partner. You got to study your partner. Yeah. yeah, figure them out. You get a lifetime yeah. to do it. So figure it out. Don't think just because you've been together for ten years you got them down. Yeah. Uh, new and unexpected things, right? Be creative, yeah. right? Think about some things you don't typically do. Yeah. We talked about never tearing them down personally. Be smart with your words. Have self-control when you're angry. What's the next one? Expressing love, sexually and non-sexually. Right. Yeah. Yep. Identifying yeah. where your partner is, what they need. Talk openly. Talk about expectations. Mm-hmm. Be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Talked about common interests, right? Build those tie rods that hold yeah. that relationship together. Yeah. Work Best on the friendship. 
uh, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. And then finally, building yeah. and growing trust. Yeah. I think if people really focus on these seven things, and these just aren't our seven things. I mean, these are, this is research-based. This is mm-hmm. evidence-based. Mm-hmm. You know, people sometimes say married people are happier. I think the reason married people are happier is because happy marriages make married people happier, mm. right? It's not just marriage. Mar- uh, we had a mentor of ours, Dr. Woods, years ago. He used to always say, there's two ways to feel profound loneliness mm. in life. Yeah. Be single or get married. Yeah, that's right? true. There's no answer to happiness right. in either one of those. Right. The answer to happiness is pursuing happiness. Now, if you have a happy mm-hmm. marriage, right, um, you will be a happy person. And mm-hmm. so having a happy marriage means you have to do the things that happy marriages do. They've got the same problems. Yeah, it doesn't just come naturally. You know, the whole book that was written years ago, Love is a Decision, it sounds mm-hmm. kind of cliche, but it really is true. You have to, if you're going to be in the marriage and you're deciding that's what you're going to do, then do the things that are required to make it the best it can be. Right. And, you know, it's not so simple. It's hard. There's hard seasons and there's wonderful seasons, but you have to commit yourself to do the things to nourish it, right? Yeah, just absolutely. like you would a plant in the window. If right. you don't water it, it's going to die. That's right. You know, and That's that right. happens in marriage as well. Look, there may be some people listening, and they may be in a tough place right now in their relationship. And so what yeah. we'd love for them to do is, is, is take this kind of an acronym. Take these seven things and really ask yourself some questions. How are we doing? How am I doing in these seven things? What can I do as an individual that can yeah. begin developing these more? Yeah. And if you do, these are like little sparks that you can create that over time can potentially ignite a fire in that relationship again. But if a relationship is truly struggling, mm-hmm. you and I know it's probably going to hit on one or more of these seven things. So it's a great framework mm-hmm. to help people think about their relationship so they can have really the best intimate and healthy dynamic with each other that they possibly can. And I think you, you really hit the nail on the head when you said focus on what, what is it that I can do, you know, even if it's small things, you know. Our tendency is to focus on what the other isn't doing. Yeah. We do that with each other, you know, but if we could just focus on what can I do, yeah. then there's a natural byproduct from that yeah, most no often times. It's one of the principles of leadership we've talked about, right? This idea of it starts off with ownership. Mm-hmm. You got to take ownership. If you can begin with ownership, then you can begin to do the work that you can control because mm-hmm. I can't control anything outside of me other than my attitude, my behavior. I can begin to do that, I can begin to affect change. And it may take time. Mm-hmm. And I, might, I may have to become patient with the results. But if I do that, eventually, it will have dividends that result from the work that I do. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. this has been fun, taking a couple times, talking about relationships, hopefully helping some people to think through things, right? Yeah. Um, once again, you know, uh, we, we, we are not, we're not doing this because we've discovered it all. We're a work right. in progress, but yeah. we have a great marriage, yeah. right? And we have the problems that other people have, but we're learning and practicing yeah. to work through and them and talk through we them. We succeed and, and we fail and we just keep working at it, right? And we'll right. have to keep working at it. And I apologize for yesterday again. <laughs> <laughs> Always happens right before Always. a podcast. It sure does. Well, all right. Well, listen, uh, we'll be continuing this series. This has been a lot yeah, of fun, fun. So we'll be doing this again next week. Sounds great. All right.